Hello from Tech Show But Friendly and jumping right into it, the big news last week which we didn't get to cover so we're gonna mention it this week is that Linus of Linus Tech Tips got hacked. Probably not news anymore but I'd just like to focus on two things which caught my attention. Number one is the unforgettable sight, even if censored, of Linus apparently butt naked going downstairs at 3 in the morning and attempting to work through the problem, attempting to close out the hackers or isolate the hackers out of the system and trying to recover control of the access to his YouTube channel. This is, of course, inevitably, it was very quick with the content. He had a video about the hack, I think even less than a day or it was like 24 hours or less than 24 hours after the initial hack. And in that video, there is black and white footage, I guess, from inside Linus's house. It supposedly he learned about it at 3 in the morning. And there is like a censored bit <laughs> there in the video. So I assume he was butt naked. Um, and it just goes to show that anything can be content. I mean, it's a terrible experience getting hacked. You know, the loss of control, the anxiety, the paranoia, and you're... And you're desperately struggling to regain control. But, you know, yeah, you can turn that around. Everything became content. Even the footage of him going downstairs butt naked at 3 in the morning to get to his computer. So maybe a site I didn't need to see, <laughs> even if it was censored. But, yeah, it really brings home the... I mean, very, it's a very personal thing, you know, I guess when the channel gets hacked and that footage was also very personal. So the image really reflecting the urgency and the anxiety and the all hands kind of, I don't care what you're wearing, get to battle stations. It's a red alert situation kind of thing. So, so that image, that black and white image really, black and white footage really brought it home. And number two was just the vector of the attack. I was super interested actually to learn about the details. From what I gathered, it was... So somebody in the organization clicked on a file which purported to be a sponsorship proposal. And the email which came with the file, or, you know, there was an email, the file was the attachment. The email sounded correct, like, you know, no grammatical errors, it sounded professional and things like that. Nothing out of the ordinary to raise your suspicions that this email is not legit. But when they clicked on the file, I think nothing happened. It turned out the PDF file wasn't a PDF file. It was an EXE file. And it basically hoovered up or it downloaded or scanned the local files on the computer. So it was an EXE file, executable, so it ran. It got copies. It copied the cookies of the computer that it was ran on. And that's super important because with those cookies, apparently you can spoof a browser session. Or, you know, when you log on to your email or most any other site which requires log on, the cookies are the semi-permanent indicators to the site that to remain logged on. I mean, even for Gmail, you know, you don't need to log on to, just as an example, you don't need to log on to Gmail, YouTube every single time that you go to the site. Usually, you're permanently logged on if you're using a computer that you trust. And that's done through cookies. And occasionally, you will be logged out automatically. But, you know, that's those kind of sessions are few and far between. Usually, if you're on a trusted computer, you can rely on just popping over to the site and immediately going to your account. So what that exe file did was copy the local cookies, transmit them to the hacker, and with those cookies, he's able to spoof a browser session or fool the server or whichever site he's logging into 
into thinking that yes, this is a legitimate access because this is just a continuation of a browser session which the user has already indicated is genuine, is authentic. And on one hand, it's basic that you don't run any file that you don't know its origin. But also on a practical level, it's very difficult to enable that in practice, especially if it's a public-facing email where you do expect like, okay, I'm going to get emails from strangers, um, emails from potential sponsors. And yeah, you don't quite know really when you pop open that file what's going to happen. On the level of how the hack was done, super interesting to me because I do try to practice as much as possible best IT practices, not just you know for the YouTube channel, although we've had a couple of scares with unauthorized breaches or rather unauthorized access. Not that there has been one. It's just that like Hardware Sugar is routinely probed by, we're not sure if bots or if uh, there's an active attacker. But Rocky the Programmer is always keeping tabs on our side. And Ren, like maybe a month or six weeks ago, had a scare where her PC was infected with malware and some of her accounts were compromised. So just from that, we took precautionary measures already. But we do try to be sanitary or we do try to practice good IT practice. We do try to practice good IT behavior. Um, so I'm always kind of interested on yeah, how to further that practice. And also, yun nga, on a practical level, how do these hacks occur? And you know, I'm not... I'm not the most super paranoid guy, but when I do see that, oh, this link or this attachment seems kind of dubious, then I probably won't click it. My dream has always been to set up a virtual box. So it's a virtual machine. It's basically a separate computer or it's a separate virtual computer running on my existing platform so that whenever I get a suspicious email, I can just pop into there so that if ever there is a malicious file or a malicious program, virus, whatever. It's just restricted to that virtual partition. And, you know, I won't keep any of my personal info there, none of the other passwords and things like that. But on a practical level, again, it's probably setting up, you know, once I kind of figure it out, it should be easy. But just having to pop in, in there every time seems, you know, a bit troublesome. And that's really the tension between good safety security practices and practical usage of the computer. On one hand, best practices are really annoying and they're hassle to do. On the other hand, the more convenient it is, the easier it is for hackers to get to you. So really a double-edged kind of sword. Just really, really interesting stuff from a technical or paranoia security perspective on how Linus was hacked. And to be fair, it wasn't him. I think it was identified that it was somebody in the organization but he also can't fault his employee because well he Linus was upfront that well you know our policy should have been better our procedure should have been better like right away when you launch a file and then the expected action doesn't happen in this case a PDF did not open then you know that should have been automatically reported but he wasn't blaming the employee so just really bottom line be careful about opening anything that the source of which you're not sure of, even clicking links and stuff like that, the source of which you're not sure of. But all's well that ends well for Linus. He got a bunch of content out of that. I think his 
I was hacked video. Actually, and it's not even the first time he got hacked. I think the last time was in 2016. So, I mean, I think the current I was hacked video has almost 5 million views, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, you know, it was a frantic 24 hours for him or so. But, I mean, you're one of the biggest YouTubers, tech or otherwise, in the world. I'm sure YouTube would take care of you. So, on one hand... It, it you know it would be a lot more terrifying for a smaller YouTuber, God forbid, like Hardware Sugar, where you don't know if Google would make you pansin, <laughs> or kung tu- an- an- level of support ni Google kung tutulungan ka ba. Uh, I'm you know I'm I'm sure they wouldn't have let Linus twist in the wind. Also, well, that ends well, and I really don't have a good pivot to the next topic, so we'll just jump right into it again. I was really amused when a Filipino celebrity visited Spain. So she's a Filipino celeb. I'll name her in a minute. She takes a picture with her sister. She posts it online. And suddenly, it becomes gaming content. And we're talking about Kichi Nadal, the singer. And it became gaming content because a lot of people commented that that picture, which she took in Spain, looks like the opening map or the, you know, the opening view of CS Italy. The classic, classic Counter-Strike map. I'm not even sure if Kichi Nadal knows what Counter-Strike is. And that's not a knock against her. I'm just saying that, um, you know, she's more known for her singing rather than for her gaming content. Or, or being a gamer or being interested in games at all for that matter. So I was just more amused that, you know, gaming has become so wildly popular that you can have someone completely unrelated to the gaming scene posting a picture and people making a connection to gaming. So it was just kind of like a nice, wow, we're so pervasive. Or, you know, it's like um, there are gamers everywhere. And it's true. Like when you do see the picture, it is like the opening moments of CS Italy. And yeah, a lot of comments jumped on that. And in fact, it got picked up by the local media examining that point that a lot of people were linking it to Counter-Strike. And speaking of Counter-Strike, there is news on that front as well. Counter-Strike 2, the sequel to Counter-Strike GO or aka Counter-Strike Global Offensive has been announced by Valve. It's supposed to come out summer 2023. So that's May or June this year. It will still be free to play. Um, Several improvements. Yes, graphics have been much improved based on the videos that they've released. As well as the timing system or the procedure by which the game figures out the actions of the players. Currently, it's on a tick system. So it, it pulls the actions every number of seconds. They've gotten even more granular. So they're calling it a sub-tick system, I think. But this is just basically for people who are obsessed with... I feel like kumbaga, I got the first draw. Like, I shot first, I moved out of the way, I flashbanged, I jumped, whatever, right? You know, it is an FPS. You need to have good twitch, good good reflexes. And I guess there are super hardcore players who are concerned that the system didn't pull or record their actions properly. So this sub-twitch system is supposed to reassure people that it's even more accurate. Like, where, you know, the game can even more finely record, watch, measure your actions so that it's really a skill-based thing. You know, hindi siya chamba na, you know, you got headshot, you, you got sniped or something, and you're thinking, how the hell could that have happened? I reacted so quickly. So they're emphasizing that, yes, we've made improvements as well, you know, under the hood to make sure that the game is 
accurate and reflective of the skill level of the players. Aside from that, smoke is getting a lot of attention. So now it's volumetric, meaning it will actually fill up space now. And that other in-game actions or objects can interact with the smoke. So if you flashbang or if you grenade, that will also interact with the smoke. Apparently bullets, you're shooting through the smoke, bullets will carve a path through the smoke. So a lot of tactical options become available because smoke basically has become more realistic. And in perhaps the biggest news of all, all of the skins that you've accumulated, because CSGO has a long history now, like, you know, there are different skins for guns and for knives. To be honest, I'm not familiar with that scene, but some of the prices and some of the skins, some of the prices for those skins is really bonkers. Um, One of the first kind of digital economies, I think, where people really valued skins or really valued digital items, commodities that have no counterpart in the real world, but they have actual in-world value, or rather, actual real-world value. And Valve really went all out to make sure that all of the skins in the old game Will, can be ported over, will be ported over, will be available in CS2. So I haven't played CS in quite a long time, but for me, it really is the kind of definitive... Well, I find it scary now to play online, actually, because, you know, a lot of the younger kids are just like the super hardcore players. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't played it in such a long time. But CS will always hold a special place in my heart as the definitive kind of team-based FPS. I have a lot of memories, maybe too many memories of mil. I wouldn't say millions, but a lot and lot of games during high school, college, law school. I even, <laughs> the day before I was scheduled to take the UPCAT, so the UP college entrance test, like half or two-thirds of my high school class decided to cut because we needed to relax before before Upcat, and then we all just played Counter Strike. So one of the, so one of my, one of the memories that I, I look fondly back on into high school. Of course, the school admin got wind of it, and you know everybody's parents got called. Fortunately, mine were cool about it. So if my kids, if I ever get a call that my kids have cut class because they're gonna, because they were playing a computer game, I'm gonna have to be as cool as my parents and just say, uh, yeah. That's fine. I have no problem with that. Because when I was a kid, when I was in high school, I did the exact same darn thing. So I will try out Counter-Strike 2 when it comes out just to see what has changed. I don't think I'll be any good at it anymore. But it's nice to see the legacy continuing and that Valve hasn't forgotten Counter-Strike. Last in the gaming news, The Last of Us Part 1 was recently ported to PC and it's kind of (laughs) terrible. There are a lot of memory leaks, a lot of bugs. The graphics don't look good. I actually played Last of Us 1 on the PS4, and I'm not even a console gamer. But when my brother finally got a PS4, the two games I really wanted to play, which I did play and finished, were Horizon Zero Dawn and Last of Us. So there's a meme going around now of Sony. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a sinister kind of meme where... The initial picture is like, so you thought we were porting PS games to PC, so now they're on the PC. No, no, we're porting the PS games to the PC so that PC players will go to the PS. (laughs) The the ports are so bad that that they will force you to buy a PS. 
<laughs> and it's it's funny because it's true. I mean, like none of the ports of the high-profile games have really been that great. Um, and I'm not a console player by any means, by any not a player, not a console player at all by habit. But usually, when a big release comes out, I do try to borrow one, borrow a console so that I can play that release. I haven't, to my dismay, been able to play Horizon, the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, Horizon Forbidden West, I think. I, I loved Horizon Zero Dawn. Such a great game, such a great story. I will need to borrow a PS5 so that I can play the sequel. But that's on my to-playlist as well. Yeah, but I don't really rely on Sony for the ports. I'd rather just go to the native game. That's It's usually better. It's kind of annoying though because now that I've played The Last of Us Part 1, I'm not surprised anymore by the twists and turns of the TV series because HBO now has season 1 of The Last of Us with Pedro Pascual and Bella Ramsey. So both of them from Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones alums. And I mean, the, the basic... There, there, there are changes to the plot, but the basic direction... And, you know, the, the characters that you see, you, you can kind of remember from the video game. So I'm enjoying the series, but it's not like there are a lot of surprises in store for those who have played the game. I understand that the season finale follows the plot. And so a lot of people were surprised by that. But as to the final disposition of the good guys, as it were, or the purported good guys... Uh, in the in-game universe. So a lot of people who watched the series but didn't play the game were surprised by that. But if you play the game, the series is faithful to the conclusion of the game so you won't be shocked by it. So I always try to... And I always try to avoid spoilers. I try to take fiction on its face like to let the story unfold. But since I played the game, um, I can't do that now for the TV series. But it still is enjoyable. I mean, it's... um. It was a seriously taken look because The Last of Us is a serious kind of game. Um, not a flighty kind of like shoot em up, zombie type kind of thing that, you know, it's the purpose of the game or the show is just to feature either tension or a blind shoot em up of the monster of the day kind of thing. I mean, both game and show are these serious works of fiction. And I'm enjoying them, or I enjoyed the game as such, and I'm enjoying the show as such, as kind of like character studies. But yeah, I the game has spoiled the TV show for me, basically. Another usual bogeyman for a lot of fiction these days is AI. Uh, machines are going to take over the world. Skynet is just around the corner. And in the real world, we do have ChatGPT now, which is a very, you know, everybody's kind of like freaking out that it's such a intelligent or it seems intelligent adaptation or evolution of AI technology. But we here at Hardware Sugar are not concerned that AI will be taking over our jobs anytime soon because apparently Newegg, the big retailer in the States, has an AI-powered recommendation software. Like, oh, I need a X-budget computer. What do you recommend? And according to Tom's hardware, it is not good at all. So it makes... Bad recommendations. I mean, the input was like, okay, give me a $1,000 computer. And then it was giving, the total budget was like over 1000 The total budget given by the AI 
powered recommendation engine. So if you can't even stick within the budget, I mean, that's, um, that's a lot of room for improvement. So we are not afraid of our AI overlords. Perhaps when they do come to power, they'll need to come to us and say, even though I'm an AI, I know nothing about hardware. Can you please put together a budget computer for my AI child? Or, you know, uh, he's still learning how to... <laughs> Although, I guess, you know, AI children would grow up quite quickly because they're trained on these deep neural networks and they're like millions of sample items of data and things like that. So, sorry, I've just... I have just turned to like utter complete speculation. I, this this metaphor or this analogy completely ran away from me. But if AI does take over, there there is a fear that AI will take over a lot of jobs. But we here at Hardware Sugar are not concerned because apparently computer AI can't recommend computer hardware worth a damn. And on that note, this is the last weekend before a long weekend. We will be, the shop will be open. Sorry, the shop will be closed Thursday and Friday. And then Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, and then the Monday, which is a holiday, we are open again. Just in case you want to cram in some cleaning or you do need an upgrade. Um, probably a good time to visit the shop since we don't expect a lot of people because a lot of people are out usually during the holidays. We have a bunch of content coming up as well on the channel. Um, if, you're, if you're listening to the show on Friday when it came out, March 31, do tune in April 1 because we have a surprise video coming up. Um, very different <laughs> from what we've done. It's the first time we've done this kind of video, so I'm kind of amused by it. So, or if, you know, But if you're listening to this on some other date, you haven't seen the video yet, um, check it out. It's, it's something different from us. And yeah, so we're open basically half of the long weekend and we will have our podcast. The podcast continues next week on Good Friday. So no rest for the wicked. Talk show but friendly returns even during the most pious holy week for Catholics. And yeah, thanks for watching. Thanks for lending me your ear. This is Anton from Hardware Sugar for our show, for our podcast, Tech Show But Friendly.